Hello, my name is John O'Connell, and welcome to AMX Fika Leadership Podcast. So over these podcasts, I'll be speaking to some inspirational and innovative data and analytic contributors from across industry and the health and care sectors. I'll be asking each of them to share with us some of the exciting work they have underway, which is helping to shape the health and care analytics space, as well as asking some of them their motivational insights into their career paths to date. So why FICA? FICA is a social phenomenon in Sweden, I thought I'd borrow. It's a legitimate reason to set aside some really quality time to catch up with friends, family and colleagues over a coffee and a cake. So joining me today is Ronnie Arafin, who is the head of analytics at NHS England and is the CEO for AFA, the Association of Professional Healthcare Analysts. Welcome, Ronnie. Thank you very much, John. Pleased to be here. And Ronnie, just reading your bio, you are, I'll just go, go through some information for our listeners. Ronnie is interested in health informatics. He is an expert in analytics and data and digital innovation. He's an experienced analytical leader, having led various analysts, analysis and business intelligence data warehouse functions. Ronnie has also extensive analytical and business intelligence experience, working with various private and public sector organizations and over 14 years plus experience in the NHS. He's also an honorary member of the University of Exeter Medical School. Ronnie has also been responsible for delivering innovative analytical solutions. His work also includes focusing on the co-design application of advanced methods to deliver insights and intelligence. And he has also been at the forefront and a move towards data visualization and providing compelling stories that support that. Ronnie has also led successful various transformation and quality improvement programs, working closely with executives, clinicians, and multidisciplinary staff groups at all levels to improve the quality of care and most importantly improve the experience of patients and colleagues. And finally, Ronnie also has been named as Data IQ uh, as one of the top 100 most influential data analytical leaders of 2021. I think he's picked the post by the first place by Ming, <laughs> fair enough, and has recently been accredited uh, as a leading practitioner analyst uh, for AFA and FedIP. So, Ronnie, a warm welcome to you and delighted to have you on AMX Speaker. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for inviting me. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. Fantastic. And on with the most important question we all say to all our guests on Fika. Um, cake is about coffee and a cake with friends. What What are you, a coffee or tea drinker? And what's your favourite cake? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a definitely coffee for me. So just uh, keep, keep, keeps me awake throughout the day. And uh, for cake, um, I'm thinking... Uh, a lemon drizzle cake with some pistachio on top. That uh, just sounds so good. So that that would that would be fantastic. <laughs> fantastic, good choice there. Yeah, no, I can understand the coffee absolutely. So what's going on? Um, so this is a really unique one we've got for our listeners. Um, uh, Ronnie's here today, and he's going to talk about some of the work, the great work you and AFET team have been doing around the competency framework. So Ronnie, just to kick off for, for our listeners, understand as we mentioned when we spoke previously that AFA have undertake a comprehensive review on various competency frameworks for health service analysts. So uh, before we talk about the program, for our listeners, would you be able to sort of describe what a competency framework is? That'd be really helpful. 
Yes, of course, John. Uh, thank you. So, so Arthur has been involved, uh, you know, with NHSX and NHS England commissioned work to uh, take forward the national competency framework for data, data and analytics. So, so really, what what do we mean by that? Is it's it's a guide to a career development, if you like. So, have a clear understanding of you know what the learning and development needs a data and analytics professional may have going through your career um, when you enter it, and all the way, for example, you know, if you come as a junior analyst, all the way become a chief data analytics officer. So I think uh, it's also really useful for a recruitment sense about, you know, for your promotional purposes when you're moving through the roles, but also really manage your personal and professional development. So you have a clear understanding of what you need to do to either make sideways move or, you know, to, to move yourselves, either that's by a different role or really um, opening up opportunities for you as a career development options. So. And I think what's fundamentally really important to me, and uh, I remember we had several discussion about this, uh, bringing more young people into this workforce. So how do, we t how do we enable young people to see what opportunities data analytics hold? And because we never really had a clear career guidance, I think this will be fantastic and potentially encourage more young people to consider healthcare analysis as a career choice. Well, thank you. That's a really great uh, update. And thanks for that, Ronnie. And, and, and speaking on behalf from an analyst perspective, um, you know, why, what, if, if one was to say, you know, why would, why do we need one? Why do we need a competency framework? And why is it useful for me? What, what would they, what would the answer be there? Uh, I think it's a really, really great question, John, because actually people, are, I mean, we need to understand the purpose uh, of why we're using it. So I think, uh, so, so one thing I would say is the recognition of data and analytics work that we do as professionals. So, so you uh, know, and, and a lot of people who are listening to this might relate to this, is when you when you enter in a room with, uh, and if the projector goes wrong and the people will say, well, you work in, you're an analyst, you can fix the projector. Well, <laughs> not actually, you know, our, our profession is different. So, so the recognition of the real work and the value we're adding to the organization. So that's why you need to develop yourself. And that's why you need to kind of, you know, go through a competency framework. And I think it's our duty in the profession, similar to clinical roles and other roles that exist in health and care. How do we make sure that we're delivering a quality service and consistent level of service across wherever we work? So I think that's why it's important to kind of follow uh, a competency framework or consider it from an analyst perspective. And also, you know, if you, if you have joined the data analytics uh, career in a healthcare environment, so you're obviously uh, uh, interested in the role and you obviously want to join it. So, so my question is, uh, you know, do you care about this role? Do you care about this profession? If you do, then every other role we're seeing who have established themselves, say human resources, you know, finance, uh, the, uh, digital colleagues, uh, I mean by that is IT colleagues, a lot of those colleagues have gone through accreditation to really really uh, consider the level they're working at. So I, I think that's why it's really important to be accredited, to really hold the professional recognition and realisation in the role that you're doing. And actually, uh, on, on from that, John, I just wanted to bring you in and just really ask you, because I know that you are a leading practitioner yourself. So, 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 so what's your thoughts on what I've just said? Uh, that would be great to hear from you. Oh, absolutely. I, I kind of chime in everything you just said there, Ronnie. I think it's really good. I suppose if I could answer, I guess, by kind of building kind of on what you just said, and I think, you know, which, which I've been doing a lot of research in the background, I think research seems to indicate that, you know, the greatest factor for, for us as individuals going forward and organ our organisation's uh, success in the next decade is going to be the ability for us to pair technology advances with our technical, uh, so with our talent strategy. So, you know, 
pairing technology, pairing talent strategies, but coupled with everything having every business initiative having an underpinning of data and analytics underneath everything that we do. So when you start looking in that kind of frame and that lens, then you think, wow, that's that's really compelling. And then just to sort of play into some of the sort of real world stuff that's going to start coming through. You know, we live in a world of rapid change, but I think also enormous opportunity. Um, you take, for example, edge computing and IoT, Internet of Things, data from an analytical perspective is going to be born on the edge of a, of a system. It's going to be used on the edge of a system. It's going to be die on the edge of the system. So it could be a, an alert on a watch saying, take your medication. It goes off five times and then the fifth time I ignore it, then get an alert into the system. So our analysts are going to have to be responding to that very differently than they do today. So what does that mean for analysts and what, where do they start and what are the best career pathways to be able to start tapping into some of that really exciting stuff that's coming through? So then I thought to myself, well, well you know, as leaders, you know, we, we, we now manage what I class as kind of a knowledge economy. Um, we can't know everything. I can't know everything, but I know my team. I, I know who the experts are and I can put my hand on those expert experts to sort of say, well, how do we work and how do we deploy edge computing, for example? But it goes both ways. If I'm to expect a high degree of professionalization from my workforce, which I'm really passionate about, why shouldn't my workforce expect the same as me as a leader? So that's kind of where, you know, I think for me, you know, walk the walk. Um, so, you know, I have to give my team the assurance and the confidence that, you know, why should they follow me just because I say something's important or, you know, the future shape of things to come. They need to be able to, to, to look towards me and say, well, you know, John has gone through that. He's a leading practitioner. He, he doesn't know his peers have reviewed some of the work he's done and he's credible. So I think, as you mentioned before in previous ones where you've said, you know, you wouldn't get on a plane without a qualified pilot. Equally, you wouldn't expect a leader to be guiding an organisation in the direction without having that sort of professional qualification and peer recognition. So it's really, really highly important. And, you know, just to finally finish as well for me, I think I've been on a journey myself over the last few years to get professionalisation, to thank Andy Kinnear, who's really passionate about saying this is really important. We need to professionalise the profession. Suki Panacea and also James Freed, who said, you know, leaders need to walk the walk. So that's for me. I'm you know, a big champion on what everything that you've said, but I think leaders need to, to walk through. And the process to me, I think, was really, 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 really helpful because it was a lot of self-reflection. And you realise, crikey, we do do an awful lot of work. And it was just great to be able to sort of, you know, sort of elucidate that and, and share that with other people. But, you know, thanks for asking that question. No, thank you. Thank you. It's great, great to hear. You know, obviously, I relate to a lot of what you said, and I, it's it's quite important for you to be. I absolutely agree about leading by example. And if you and I can't go through the experience ourselves, it's difficult to tell others. So uh, we know we've been through the journey, and actually, everybody else who are working in this profession, uh, I'm sure you will you'll echo that with me. We encourage people to go through that journey. Absolutely. And Ronnie, the work you've un you've undertaken as well. Um, what have you seen the areas? Because there was a big piece of work done, obviously. You able to share with us some of the sort of high-level findings for our listeners from the research you did? Thanks, John. Yeah, so so I'll go back. So we started off with the discovery phase to looking at you know what analytical competency framework exists for data and analytics. So we looked at about 28 different. You'll be surprised when people were doing lots of different things around competency framework, but not really one version that fits in from start to end, I would say. So we looked at all of this and there was no kind of consistency between those kind of frameworks as well. Um, then we've, we looked at the government analytical framework, which we thought actually could be a good skeleton version if we wanted to utilize all of the other good ones that we found to create a competency framework that would actually suit all the analysts that are out there, not just you know fit for one national organization or one you know um, 
clinical commissioning unit one provider acute service or one so what works for most people working in the in the healthcare industry so so we took the government analytical framework you know enhanced that bit so what we did is we, we created an alpha stage where we taken all of those things and created core competency and in terms of the levels of professional registrations there you know four five different levels uh, so adding a specialism and domain so you have a core competency and then the specialisms uh, for example you know you can have have a data visualization, you can have a statistical method, uh, process control chart, and, um, and all of that kind of thing. And domain is if you're working in, uh, you know, public health, if you're working in mental health, if you're working in acute services, those are your domain. So then we asked uh, um, quite, quite a lot of organization, various mix and a national organization providers and everybody else to get involved in testing. And then we've gone through a change process of how we can enhance it. So through the alpha phase, we've we found about 97% of analysts who took part. They're all recommending it to roll it out nationally, which is quite a you know, massive achievement, actually, for everybody. And everybody took part. Uh, thanks for that. All of those information, by the way, John, is available on AFA website. If you search for it, you can find the handbook, you can find the recommendation from alpha stage, discovery stage, and all of that. So what we found is that it needs to be actually inclusive of all the data and analytics role, not just analysts, they're data engineers, there's works, you know, data scientists that work in, in the profession. So we're trying to do that. And the next stage will be beta stage, where we ask uh, some of the ICSs and ICBs, the Integrated Care System and Integrated Care Board, to really roll this out to their organization within their patch and then have a bigger kinds of lines of testing and then continue evolving the product that we have to make it more current and make it more suitable for all the analysts that work in health and care. Fantastic. No, it's really great. No, thanks for sharing that with us. And that neatly leading on from the beta stage you were talking about. I mean, on, from your research, Ronnie, do you, have you, do you have an idea of kind of what you think a kind of a good framework would look like? Is there any sort of thoughts beginning to sort of shape up what that might look like? Yes, of course, there's there's a lot of findings and a lot of feedback, actually. What we found really interesting, John, is that when we asked for feedback from people when we're going through discovery and the alpha stage, a huge number of people actually contributed from senior leaders to the grassroots analysts, which is really useful for us. So one, it shows the appetite for people to have this kind of competency framework. The second is we really want to be involved in making the change and really bring this in. So I think I think to begin with, I should say that framework should be quite simple to use uh, uh, because it's it's quite difficult if you have a really complex kind of framework to carry through, particularly if we are encouraging people from a school and college and universities to look at that data analytics as a profession. It needs to be quite simple. In it, I touched on it before when I said to you, but it needs to be recognised by all the people working in health and care, not just particular to one organisation, but it needs to really be supportive to all of the health and care analysts uh, that's working. And really importantly for me, I think it, it needs to be really an evolving piece. So yes, there are some obviously you know available now, but we need to be very open and flexible that it needs to change to the needs of how healthcare is moving, how our environment technically moving, and what are other skill sets that we need for our workforce to carry out. I know it's fantastic answer. Thank you very much for sharing those. And Ronnie as well, I, I noticed um, you know for, for me you are as you mentioned earlier a leading practitioner yourself with, with AFA and FedIP. Why was accreditation important to you? Thank you, John. Yes, so similar to you. So I've gone through the journey of myself uh, to, to really do the walk 
the walk, as you said, so uh, to, to, to go through myself and the process of becoming a leading practitioner. So I'm really proud of that. I, I think this is one of the things that when individuals are going through this exercise, they should be really proud because they are really championing the profession. Uh, when we talk about our recognition in data and analytics, it's a very proud thing to have that we are going through the journey ourselves and how we, how do we inspire others to follow the same kind of pattern. And also for me, I think what's important is uh, how do we know that we are doing this right and how are we providing the kind of the best practice? You gave an example of um, uh, the pilots and the airlines, but I will also give a very simple example of driving license. You know, if you don't have that, you can't just drive. So, you know, how, how do we make sure, if we're asking the clinicians to have that kind of registration to prove that they're able to say, carry out a safety uh, surgical procedure, for example, or seeing someone, how do we then provide our data, which is making huge differences? And we know this from the pandemic. People are transferring this, uh, transforming their services, they're rejigging the workforce. So our work pl plays a vital role, plays a key role in terms of shaping the healthcare service. So how do we know that we're providing a safe service ourselves? And I think also really, really important for me uh, is how do we bring the data and analytics professionals into the conversation when we're having multidisciplinary work? So how, I, how, how can I help you? You know, where, where, whereas people, you know, we can ask them, what is the purpose? Where do you need to get to? And how, as a profession, I can help you to contribute what you need to do with, with my ability and skills rather than, you know, coming into a conversation and people are saying, well, actually give me referral data, give me contact data. But it, actually, what is it that you're trying to get to? And as a professional, I can help you. So that kind of thing is really important. Uh, and that's what kind of helped me to choose that I want to uh, register myself as a as a leading practitioner. Being seen as that equal partner in the, in the, in the complexity challenge for, for reducing health inequalities, not just person providing data, actually being in there, actually shaping. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, I mean, you've seen the massive uh, kind of discoveries we're making in terms of inequalities in data as well. How do we shape those things and how we really uh, analyze our information to provide intelligence? So all of those factors becomes more and more uh, about our consistency in our own kind of profession. So so that's why it's important. And I, I'm, I'm also really interested to find out, as I was talking, I was thinking that in my head, John, that what do you think the rising needs of data and analytics is that currently the landscape holds? Because sometimes, I think you will probably agree with me, but it can get lost under the broad digital kind of heading. No, absolutely. I agree. And I think I, I don't know where that sort of come from, because I think sort of data analytics tends to sort of fall under IT and it feels to the journey that under IT ends up becoming digital. So I don't know if it's that kind of route that it's kind of navigated through and, and, and become. And I, and I would probably I think, you know, if we're not careful, because you, what you can end up having is you end up having a and a sort of a digital IT strategy, which is around software technology, which yes, is absolutely important and, and it's an enabler for us. But I think equally as IT and infrastructure is an enabler for us, we we as you know data analytics know what we need for our to answer the questions that our systems are going to be asking us. So we need this infrastructure. So we need to say to IT, set this cloud infrastructure with this environment, with the sandbox, so we can do things quickly, do some modeling at scale and at pace. So I think both data analytics and are both IT are both enablers, but the key strategy should be, as we mentioned before, is setting how do we reduce health inequalities for an economy. So I think it's it's probably a historical thing maybe that the analysts have been part of IT, part of IT being part of digital has moved in that journey. And I think we need to be on our own standing as a profession with a professional head, chief data and analytical office, which I hope we're going to start seeing more of. Um, and uh, we need to be doing our roles to sort of shape those roles and say that this is what the 
chief data analytical strategy should be for an emerging system and stuff. So, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult one there, but I think we just need to start pushing a little bit there. Absolutely, absolutely agree. And, and Ronnie, what would your message be to uh, leaders? Thanks, John. So I'll, I'll follow on exactly what you said. So as leaders working in the data and analytics field, we really need to champion uh, the, the, the value we're adding to the health and care systems. So focus on data and analytics as it's an entity that what we can provide because we played a key role in the pandemic, I think, and, and the analyticals professionals needs to be really part of the discussion as equal partners from start to the end of the product. And really my, my invite to you as we both talked about, please register yourself. You know, we do need to walk the walk rather than just uh, saying this stuff. And it's not just a badge of, you know, something that you can put in your drawer. It's really showing your commitment to the profession uh, that you're, you're, you know, you're really championing uh, the registration process yourself and the role really matters. So it's, it's very easy to do actually the registration and becoming a registered professional. So, I mean, we've both done it. There's lots of examples of other people doing it. So, so that's, that's what the two things I will ask our leaders. And, and, and to our audience who are listening, our listeners are the most important ones on the, on the call here, Ronnie, to listen to ourselves. What, what would you say, what recommends would you give to those guys who are listening that any considerations that they should do following on what we were saying? Thanks, John. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really important. So any, anybody who is listening, I mean, hopefully you're enjoying our conversation that John and I are having. Um, but there are lots of things actually going on in data analytics landscape now, which is really good, actually, because you, you've probably seen the Ben Goldacre's uh, the be uh, Better, Broader, Safer review that he's done for the health and care, the health data for research and analysis for the government, for Department of Health. Uh, we've seen the Data Saves Lives, the uh, Responding Health and Social Care with Data policy came out. And actually, AFA, the Association of Professional Healthcare Analysts, you mentioned as an analytical professional's body being mentioned in a, a multiple times, that we're running on a shoestring. And uh, almost all the people who are working in this organization are working voluntarily. So I'm really proud of you know, what we're doing as, as an AFA organization. But really, it's important to recognize that the uh, that the work that we're doing in this space. So I, I would I would really encourage you uh, people who are listening to please find out more about what we do in AFA and and join our membership because actually we are truly powerful really when we are talking together in uh, as a profession. So so your contribution and your involvement would really help us shape you know the profession to where we want to be. And I'll give you a very uh, quick example. So. Together, let's influence some policies. We know all of the uh, things I mentioned, Goldacre's paper, the data saves life policy paper talks about open source, you know, promoting open source. But as a professional body with your help, if you join our membership, if you join and be involved with us, we could really make a case for why is it really, really important to utilize open source for our workforce. Fantastic. Thank you, Ronnie. That's really, thank you for sharing those. And Ronnie, as you mentioned as well, a lot of the time is given over for your colleagues. And thanks for sharing amazing insights uh, with people. What, what do you do to, outside leading innovation and, and advanced analytics with AFA? What do you do, what do, you do to relax? <laughs> Thanks, John. So, so, so I'm very lucky. I can't myself lucky. I'm living in a very nice part of the country. So I live in uh, Devon. So I've got uh, you know lots of seaside places very close to where I live. So I, I normally kind of you know go uh, to the seaside, uh, seaside trips, and uh, of course some good fish and chips. In that, uh, it's an offer in Devon and Cornwall, which keeps me occupied when I'm when I'm not engaging in in my day job or after work. <laughs> it keeps you fresh. Thanks, Ronnie. But no, and just to say, you know, if our listeners want to to follow you on Twitter, do you have a, a Twitter handle that we can we can follow? 
Yes, of course. So we'll be delighted uh, if, if you follow me. So it's uh, my Twitter handle is Arafin, A-R-A-F-I-N, tweet, T-W-W-T. You can search my name, Ronnie Arafin, on LinkedIn. You'll find me probably using LinkedIn a bit more. Or you can also email me if you're interested in AFA. You could look at AFA website, afaanalysts.org or info at afaanalysts.org. Great, thank you, Monica. No, thank you. And everybody listening, I would encourage you to, to go onto the AFA website and look at the amazing research. And thanks, Ronnie, for sharing the, the great work you and the team have done. It's really instrumental and inspiring to see such great work. And just to finally finish off, I just uh, quote Stephen Covey. He says that uh, we must never be too busy to take time to sharpen the saw. It means prever preserving and enhancing our greatest asset we all have, our knowledge and our expertise. So, you know, what a better way to, to, to inspire people. But no, thank you very much for sharing your insights. And I'd encourage everybody to log onto the website, get involved and make this happen. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here, John. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to thank our speaker for joining us today and for everybody else tuning in to this podcast. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the future.